Welcome to the Good Medicine Guide podcast, where we help people stuck in negative habitual patterns learn the tools necessary for creative and spiritual growth and recovery in order to align with their highest potential. Let's talk beauty. In our culture, the way we appear to the outside world is possibly the most high ticket item on the market. Every day, we are assaulted with images and messages that tell us we are not enough, conveniently attached to the magical serum that will finally make us enough. So we buy and we buy and we buy until our vanity drawers and cabinets won't shut from the bottles and boxes that overpromised and underdelivered. It seems like the harder we look on the outside for the solutions, the more miserable and unfulfilled we become. But if we can't touch it or see it, is it even real? Society tells us that it isn't. So why bother going inside to search for answers and lasting contentment? I mean, everybody else is doing it. Doesn't that make it okay? Mark Twain claims the opposite. He says this and I tend to agree. Whenever you find yourself on the side of the majority, it is time to pause and reflect. So then, when will we finally draw the line and say enough is enough? I live in a little town in Louisiana that rests its laurels upon four pillars. One is appearance, two is status, three, material wealth, and four is drinking. You might be offended and say this is a sweeping stereotype or generalization, and I would tend to agree with you. Not everyone here adheres to these rules, but it's safe to say that most of them do. I think one of the reasons for this is that there's not much to do here in the way of nature. There's not a whole lot to do outdoors unless you want to be Count Dracula sucked by mosquitoes. Of course, if you're drinking, you tend to care less about this, but since I quit drinking three years ago, the mosquitoes do bother me. So does going to sleep without shaving my legs, but that's an entirely different story. I grew up to the tune of these three principles. Good-looking people always get the job. No pain, no gain. And a personal favorite, it's painful to be beautiful. Regarding the latter, I like to think that what people were trying to say was that trying to be beautiful is painful in its desperation and grasping. I'm 39 years old. My husband says I'm 38, but it doesn't even matter anymore. I smoked for 23 years of my life and have accumulated a nice little row of commas above my lip that I am frankly very proud of. I have dark spots spread across my face from too much time in the sun and hormones related to having my daughters. These are my battle scars, and of these two, I am proud. I have always known this to be true, the core kind of true, that true beauty cannot be categorized. It does not adhere to certain facial arrangements or eye symmetry. Have you ever seen someone classically beautiful that you really thought was that fucking interesting? Sure, nice to look at, but did you actually find yourself wanting to dig into her past? What she's been through? What about her drew you in? Made you long to be in her presence? I have never found this in the classical girl next door supermodel beauties, but then I have always had a propensity for the odd, asymmetrical, and profoundly compelling. In fact, my dad made a habit of always attracting the oddest, off-the-wall friends. Mostly single millionaires still living with their mothers, they used to come over and stay for the weekend, buy us fireworks, and then almost get kicked out because their latest craze was the infinite benefits of not bathing. 
This ideology of being drawn in by the odd, complex, and interesting people and serving that over the flawless plastic pancakes in the McDonald's commercial is in direct opposition to the media brainwashing we drive our little earth machines through every day. And that is what makes it feel impossible because everyone else is eating the plastic pancakes too. So shouldn't we? Or they'll look at us funny if they can even still look at us funny after all those injections. All I'm saying is, I think it's time for us to look at the sustainability of this business model. Where does it end? Where's the cap on it? Do we keep injecting and scraping and tugging and pulling at our skin until we die? Does that equal a well-lived life? Will people look into our open casket and say, I want to look just that surprised and uncreased in my casket too. Think it would be weird if I took a picture so you can show the mortician when my time comes? Is that the substance that will sustain us? I've spent an embarrassing amount of hours wishing away my creases and dark spots, but only because someone told me I should. Someone told me I should be ashamed of them, that it would be more productive to beat myself up over all that time in the sun as a kid, that I shouldn't have smoked all those years, that I should look younger, more elastic, less like I lived a good and worthy life. But the guilt and shame I forced myself to feel for all of these things always felt forced, wrong, and unfamiliar to my insides. It always felt fraudulent, but it was a long time before I traced this back to my intuition, the divine guidance within me, the unseen. Is it empowering really to feel guilty for not wearing enough sunscreen? Is it empowering to wish we looked like someone else or something else? To say to the universe, you did fine on everyone else, but you really fucked up on me. Do you think that thought will put us in favor of the cosmos? Make the gods want to shine down the light of heaven on our souls? Listen, I'm not here to berate for the decisions or the philosophies or the injections or the surgeries or, God forbid, agreeing to accept money from your parents in order to join the local tennis club. Lord knows I'm in that hole as we speak. I'm just asking you to be conscious of it. Why you're really doing it? What's your motivation and how far will that realistically get you? Before each decision or thought, just ask yourself, is this bringing me closer to the woman I want to be or further away? What kind of example is this setting for my children? And is this really who I am? Sundays are usually my most depressed and down day of the seven. Maybe it's the impending onset of reality or maybe just the ingrained memory of always being hungover in shaky graves after a Saturday on the sauce. But on this particular Sunday, last Sunday, I woke up in plenty of time to write an extensive gratitude list. And rather than just the usual five outlined in my dream journal that I write in every morning, I went off piste. And instead of asking for my skin to heal and my age spots to transmogrify onto someone else's face, someone who had committed significantly more acts of evil than I, I remembered this quote, everything will be okay as soon as you're okay with everything. And it occurred to me to try something different. So I wrote this, thank you for my face in exactly the package it came in. Thank you for my body in exactly the package it came in. Thank you for my family in exactly the package it came in. Thank you for my life in exactly the package it came in. I am thrilled to report 
that this shaped up to be the best Sunday I've had in as long as I can remember. It was as if peeling my thoughts and energies and efforts ever so gingerly away from the fears and obsessions, away from the worries and unsteadiness and dis-ease that accompany how I should change myself and my life and my place and my face to make it, to make them enough, to make it, to make them count. That to slowly begin to unravel from those thick threads somehow opened me up to access peace and contentment that maybe there was some merit to this. If I'm okay with everything, then maybe everything is okay. Maybe everything is okay. Maybe it's all okay. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, this is Rosie Pryor, your good medicine guide. Love you, love you, love you. Now you love you.